You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Abe Shapiro. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. Later in the program, Bring It On's Clarence Boone and Liz Mitchell interview officials from the Monroe County Community School Corporation. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB, hosted and produced by Richard Fish. More following today's feature, but first, your local headlines. On May 31st, the Bloomington Redevelopment Commission held a special session to discuss a partnership with Meridium, an international public infrastructure developer. According to Assistant City Attorney Larry Allen, Meridium would install a fiber optic cable that would provide high-speed internet in the city, which he said has been a goal of the mayor since 2016. Um, As I mentioned, 2016 is really when we started this overall uh, project. We released a request for information. Uh, There were multiple responses um, to that that we ultimately whittled down to one uh, party whom we uh, negotiated with very uh, intensely. Uh, That uh, project was quite promising. We had an announcement that it ultimately uh, faltered when uh, Axia was uh, purchased by uh, by a larger company and essentially pulled out of multiple cities uh, that they were um, talking, that they were in negotiations with in the U.S market. We've had a number of other parties that we've had discussions with, including uh, including Metronet. They were also secured by uh, or partnered with another larger firm and changed their, uh, their business, their community uh, target demographics, which made it challenging uh, uh, for us to continue, uh, continue that discussion. They looked elsewhere. And then we've had a number of uh, discussions with our local uh, incumbent providers as part of the RFI process, uh, but continuing um, through. And then, of course, uh, COVID-19 arrived in 2020, and we realized that uh, the things that we had been talking about all the way back in 2016 were were incredibly important, and we still weren't where we, we needed to be. Allen explained that they originally had negotiated with Wired, but the company was bought by another company and the deal fell through. However, some staff connections from the negotiations led them to working with Meridium, and he says they have been working earnestly to secure a deal. Allen said that Meridium would build a gigabit speed fiber optic network and the city would create a tax increment financing district, otherwise known as a TIFT district, named Bloomington Meridian Economic Development Area. A TIF district is when municipalities allocate future property tax revenue from a defined area towards its economic development. 
Allen explained why the TIF district would be necessary for the project. So why is it a TIF for this uh, project? Uh, first of all, it, it wouldn't happen um, without it, uh, the finances being um, so tight, you know, but we consider the, the benefits to be, uh, to be substantial. Uh, there's no uh, tax increase uh, to the public uh, by virtue of adopting this uh, TIF, and there's no funding for or no funding drop for other taxing units uh, because of this. It wouldn't happen without the TIF, thus zero equals uh, zero. Uh, but there will be uh, new revenue in the community to multiple taxing uh, uh, multiple taxing units through uh, employment uh, and uh, you know other taxes by virtue of operating the, the business that they they intend. Uh, and then uh, one of the things about this is we felt that this process gives uh, transparency. It passes through multiple public uh, public boards. This is a big a big investment, a big partnership, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, we are as transparent as possible about this process. Uh, we were seeking. You know, this gives us visibility into. Uh, into the, the tax revenue, it comes comes in and then it's rebated back. So we see that, and then we will be capturing five percent of the costs uh, for uh, administrative overhead of the, the tip and tip district. The plan commission and the city council will hear the presentation and vote on the contract in the future. The next meeting will be held on June thirteenth. Up next, in this month's edition of the Brown County Hour, the program welcomed Rich Reardon and Don Jordan from WFHB's longstanding public affairs program, Inside Outdoors. Listen to the full show of the Brown County Hour tonight at 6 p.m. on WFHB Community Radio. We turn now to that interview. It is my pleasure to introduce Rich Reardon and Don Jordan from Inside Outdoors. And you guys have just concluded a 20-year run of the only call-in program WFHB has ever sponsored, which is just absolutely remarkable. Yeah, we started on WGCL, which is uh, the local AM radio, Sarkastarzian, okay. WTTS. Yeah. And, uh, They're still I, AM radio? There still is. <laughs> but we, we were not... Preaching to the choir, we were preaching to uh, anybody that that's interested in you know what's going on in Monroe County and and our and the amazing uh, outdoors that we have. Yeah, you know? yeah, we are really in the heart of it right here. Yeah, I'll give a quick background, real quick. Uh, right. When I first started, I I started working for them and I started producing programs and I uh, asked a friend of mine, Rick Shed, who runs Sheds uh, right out there at Paintown. Okay, and uh, said I want to do a fishing show. I always wanted to do one. You know, I grew up in a, on a lake and stuff uh, with my grandparents back back east. And uh, he said, "No, I I don't want to do that. I don't have enough time. I'm busy." But uh, this guy over here on uh, Moffett Lane, Bill, Buddy Bill, 
uh, you got to go talk to him. And I did. And we started doing it. We had, uh, we just taped it in the, in his buddy Bill's bait barn. Nice. And uh, he had, he was, had been around since the early sixties as a, uh, doing various things, but his little bait shop. And um, so it, we had a lot of fun doing that for years. And then eventually Don joined us. Uh, that was about 2000. Seven, something like that. Yeah, I think so. Now, we Don, started, you're an outdoors writer. Well, he, you've I seen him in the paper for years. Yeah. yeah. I was for uh, 47 years. Uh, I was a member of the Outdoor Writers Association of America, which requires you to publish so many things a year, et cetera, so they give you credentials. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so I, I was welcome at a lot of places in those days uh, where outdoor writers used to be in every newspaper. And now there, I think there's one left in um, South Bend. Is that right? So even the Indianapolis paper didn't have no, one. no. There, when uh, Bayou Bill, do you remember him? Oh yeah. When he uh, quit or retired, uh, that was the last one in Indianapolis. And um, after I left here, there was a few guys that uh, had their column in the local paper, and then I came back. Uh, doing my column from afar and selling it to the HT once a week Okay, for a long time. Well, so what was the primary focus of your show? I know you talked about a lot of different things. Well, it's amazing over 20 years, too, because we started in 2002, Bill and I, and then Don came in a little later, and um, it was such a wonderful thing to just talk about, hey, going fishing, going out to Lake Monroe, where you could do things hunting. I'm not a hunter uh, necessarily. I grew up in Pennsylvania and so I did, but I, my main focus was I was interested in fishing. You know, it was just really fun to talk about all the positive things that were happening. And then that dwindled over 20 years. And the last few years, it was kind of depressing to talk about, you know, the blue algae, uh, you know, yeah. th that we were just talking about. Yeah. And, and other things, and, and, and uh, the increase in logging, the uh, the loss of all, all the stuff. habitat. Uh, I mean, and I know your show kind of shifted gears, and you started interviewing all these ecologists, yep. and, and that's important information too. But through the years, I, I don't want to focus on that because I never wanted to. Um, but but I we had deer biologists, and uh, you know people talking about cicadas and we've had, <laughs> you know, all the cool things that have happened around here. I, I did catch a, a tiny segment of Buddy Bill eating corn chips, pretending to be eating cicadas, right. which was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Well, that was kind of an interesting thing because Bill agreed to do the show and he didn't even ask for anything, but I said, we'll do commercials for you, you know, for Buddy Bill's Bait Barn and on WGCL. He, I realized that he'd just do anything I asked him to do. So... <laughs> We had this guy out talking about cicadas and he was talking about a party that he had with his students, like where they, you know, put chocolate covered cicadas <laughs> and everything. And and I said, Bill, do you do that? And he, oh, yeah, I eat them all the time. And then so I brought the next week I brought a bag of Doritos and said, just keep talking about, you know, and it went it went on from there. It was really funny. And and we have a whole thing. We created a Actually, it went on for about a year where I did a bunch of commercials with him, and then we put it together on a CD and sold them at Buddy Bill's Bait Barn, and we made forty, fifty dollars a week with these guys that come in. Yeah, I'll buy that, you know, and because nice. they knew the they knew the commercials that we had on there, and they were just funny, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, obviously, Buddy Bill is a man of great humor. Wonderful guy. Yeah, 
he'd say stuff about the hummingbirds catching a ride on the see he's already groaning and it was like oh you know that doesn't really happen but it was just it, it was fun you know just fun things going on and he'd talk about and we all talked about old wives tales and things that went to the past where was lake monroe what was there before that and, right. and all that stuff that he'd been through so we covered topics all over the place of things that were interesting we also did uh some amazing stuff like uh, oliver uh gave us a ride in their balloon and we went all the way to seymour or somewhere you know and we taped the show up there nice and uh we flew around the lake with an airplane one time and we and there's all kinds of interesting things through the years that we that we were able to accomplish have fun with but you you guys were live and that that's a whole different animal than what we do where we tape the show now like i said it was a lot of fun and it was nice to talk to the people that listen to the show yeah and it's no. the only feedback that you get yeah and, uh, that I, was really the best part of the whole thing. That's one element that we will never have in the Brown County Hour, and I'm sorry mm -hmm. for that. Yeah, it's too bad, really. Yeah. It's uh, very enjoyable. We we do get a chance to uh, be live on the radio during the fun drive, and all of us look forward to that. So mm -hmm. there is the thrill of realizing that, okay, if I really screw this up, <laughs> it's going out <laughs> on the radio. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, 20 years, it's remarkable. And thank you so much for coming in and sharing your thoughts and your stories and really appreciate your effort through all this time. Well, thank you. Thank you. In today's feature report, Bring it on hosts Clarence Boone and Liz Mitchell speak with members of the MCCSC administration about a number of topics, namely a wrap-up and closure on the 21-22 academic year. We turn now to an excerpt from that interview. Tonight, we are delighted to speak with members of the MCCSC administration about a variety of topics, namely a wrap-up and closure of the 21-22 academic year, coming graduations, and a discussion on a November 8th referendum ballot question that will request a 18.5 cent operating levy aimed at one, increasing teacher and certified teacher salaries, and two, funding for special programs like special education, STEM, and performing arts. Joining us for this discussion are MCCSC Superintendent, Dr. Jeff Osborne, Assistant Superintendent of Curriculum and Instruction, Mark K. Wernstein, and Assistant Director of Business Operations, Adam Terwilliger. Welcome all to Bring It On. Welcome to the show. Well, um, you know, through Zoom technology, we get to see our, our guests as they're across the screen from us. And it's the audio we use in radio. Uh, but I will say, from my vantage point of seeing our guests, they have beaming smiles. And Liz, can it be that the school year is over? I believe, I believe so. That would make me smile, especially dealing with 11,000 students. How many of those students 
um, I'm going to ask this of the superintendent. How many of those students are uh, bilingual? So our numbers fluctuate uh, on, on a regular basis. Um, as you are well aware, um, not only do we have a strong English learner program in our schools to serve our English learner population, um, we also have a strong um, English learner program for through our adult education program at Grandview. So um, there are a lot of um, moving numbers, if you will. Uh, I have a chance to visit a lot of schools every year. And uh, I was just at our Broadview Learning Center about two weeks ago. And when I was there, I, I, I met a family that had just uh, come to Monroe County uh, from Egypt, and they had three children. And they were enrolling, and they wanted their students to experience a little bit of school before summer. And so I tell you that because I just remind people that the number of languages spoken and the number of students that we serve on a regular basis is, is, is evolving and changing frequently. And we also um, sometimes look at our numbers from K-12, but I want to remind people that we have a strong um, English uh, education program for adults in our community as well um, that are wanting to learn um, the English language for various reasons. And so we serve a lot of students um, that uh, we categorize as English learners. We also serve a lot of adults. Um, currently, we, we estimate that they, uh, we do a, an annual assessment to understand their level of fluency. And so um, we, we generally uh, estimate um, that about 1% to 2% of our population are English learners. Dr. Winston, mm -hmm. um, I know you work directly with the English language pro uh, program. Um, I, I have not um, talked to our director recently, the number of languages spoken or any other more specific numbers than the approximate percentages. Do you have those? Yeah, definitely more than 40 languages are spoken in our schools. Yeah, I'm going to expand a little bit about that. Dr. Halswad, you had mentioned that a family from Egypt had just relocated to Monroe County. Is it the case that Monroe County is serving uh, families from, say, hot spots around the world like uh, uh, Afghanistan, maybe the Ukraine or other hot spots where they have relocated to this area? I know at one point in Indianapolis there were quite a few um, immigrants that had arrived. Uh, and we're looking for placement. Now, is Monroe County, have we been fortunate to offer education to some of these families? Yes, we are that fortunate. And I think that speaks to the uh, openness of our community, um, the inclusiveness of our community. And we're a very welcoming um, place. I know that you experience that on a regular basis. We celebrate differences. We, we, we celebrate uh, different cultures. And so uh, we uh, generally, um, there are uh, strict limits on um, uh, what we can ask and what we should ask, of course, when we are going through an intake process to enroll students and their families. Um, so it is very limited in our knowledge, but we are um, aware of uh, families from ex Afghanistan, Afghanistan, for example, um, who have uh, recently uh, come to our community and that we are uh, providing educational services um, for, their, for their children. Excellent. Liz? Yeah. Are, are there any uh, things that you do special for people, uh, refugees that are coming in, like say from Ukraine, Afghanistan, uh, uh, Haitians, uh, are there any uh, outreach programs that you try to provide? Are there other services that you have to help these families get? Uh, Dr. Winston, would you like to talk about the entire wraparound services with uh, um, uh, Chun Yang and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the comprehensive piece of that? Uh, I know that 
Dr. Winston works on this on a regular basis and can provide uh, probably greater specificity than I. But to answer your question, yes, while we're directly responsible for the education of the students, um, we work with community partners and agencies to help uh, um, provide solutions and resources based on uh, other needs that we identify through that process. Uh, Dr. Okay. Winston? Yeah, Dr. Yes, Winston? Yes, absolutely. So we actually have a, a family, well, an online family welcome center. And the purpose of us developing that a couple of years ago was for this very purpose, to make sure that we provided supports, resources, connections for families who are coming to our community from various countries, various um, communities and things to help them with the transition, not only for school, but transitioning into our community. So we have some amazing partnerships with community agencies and entities to make sure that we are completely responsive, uh, responsive to the needs in terms of our wraparound supports, helping them adjust to just being in America, helping them to adjust to what uh, what to expect in schools. And so Chun Young Zhan is our coordinator for those supports and services. And there are a variety of programs that we offer to support them during their transition, but then also support them once they've been here uh, to make sure that they continue to be successful. And he has a, a team of individuals, many of whom speak a variety of languages to be able to support all of our families. Okay. And we might want to we might want to add that we are uh, so fortunate to have the university uh, in the center of our donut, if you will. And so, as we uh, as we enroll and in, and in, in work with families that are new to our community, um, oftentimes we encounter languages that we may not have someone on staff uh, that fluently speaks. So we we do work a lot with the university and other resources in our community uh, to help us make sure that uh, there are those linguistic barriers are can be overcome as part of the introduction um, uh, process and the enrollment process, and then to make sure that we, we meet the needs of our students. So a lot of communities don't have that. We consider ourselves very fortunate um, to have um, resources um, such as what we have at Indiana University to help us. Um, and, and just having a native speaker um, who can immediately um, and, and, and easily and personally uh, welcome them and help uh, at the transition process. Uh, we consider ourselves very lucky to have that resource. Up next, cutting the cost of gas on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. We turn now to host and producer Richard Fish. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. Some years ago, we did a series on cutting the cost of gas. Back then, we were worried about gas prices going up over $2 a gallon. I will now pause briefly so you can snort derisively. Turns out we hadn't seen nothing yet. Gas is now over $5 a gallon, and there's no telling when the price is going to come down. So here we go again, and this time you stand to save even more money. Want to pay less for gas? Maybe a couple of dollars a gallon less than the price on the pump? You can do that. How? Simple. 
increase your gas mileage. Spend less money to get where you want to go. If you've been getting 20 miles per gallon and you raise that to 25, it's like paying 3.75 a gallon when the pump says 5. Can you really save that much? Yes. Every car and driver are different, and you may already be doing some things that help. But you can probably get 10% better gas mileage at the very least. At today's prices, that's like saving over 50 cents a gallon. So how do you do it? Well, there are a number of things you can do, and they all help. Save a little here and a little there, and it adds up. We've combined suggestions from the Environmental Protection Agency, the American Automobile Association, the U.S. Department of Energy, Mother Earth News, and some commercial outfits like Edmunds and Advance Auto Parts. Some of them may surprise you, but they're all worth trying. First of all, you need to find out what your mileage is and keep track of it. Guessing doesn't work, and you have to know all the time, not just once in a while. That's the only way to find out what works for you. It seems like magic. Keep track of your mileage and it will get better, but it does. You start to see what makes a difference. You get instant gratification when your mileage looks good. You find out immediately if something starts wasting your gasoline. And you get warned well in advance if your car develops a problem. If your mileage starts dropping, there's always a reason. If nothing else has changed, it's time to wonder if your car needs some work. If you catch a mechanical problem early on, you can get it fixed well before it becomes serious and keep your mileage up to the mark. Both of those things will save you money, and when it comes to repairs, maybe a lot of money. It's easy to keep track of your mileage. Some cars today have a computer that will figure it out for you. If so, great, use it. Or just write down the number of gallons when you fill your tank and the number of miles you drove. These numbers are on display right there in front of you every time you buy gas. Writing them down and punching them into a calculator is quick and easy, especially if you follow our second suggestion, keep your gas tank full. More about that next week. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at WFHB.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at WFHB.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com.
You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Clarence Boone and Chantel LaFontante. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB News, I'm Abe Shapiro. Live and learn. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters at WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe now to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Cool Solutions, climate action from the bottom up. Coming up next on WFHB Community Radio. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 